It's always interesting to go into a new album or listen to a new fresh single from your favorite artist and pay attention to which songs connect with you off a first listen or maybe even your second listen and also play that game where you're predicting, well, is this song going to also hit the masses or is it just for my rotation? Is it a bit too left field for it to, you know, become a big global hit or is it something that can really connect with a lot of people and that's what we wanted to talk about today was going through different songs and talking about tracks that we expected to be hits that didn't really pan out that way and some recent examples include songs like a fuck you mean for example where that takes the inverse approach where when we first listened to that track we didn't see it becoming a hit we weren't a big fan of it and it ended up climbing to almost number one on the charts and became one of the biggest songs of 2023. But then on the flip side, there's songs like First Person Shooter where just based on the recipe alone of having J. Cole and Drake on a track, you could already tell what that trajectory is going to look like. So we brought in about eight songs each. And these are songs that are great songs that we expected to become hits. And for myself, I know that I even brought in some songs from older albums that I thought maybe had become sleeper hits over the years. But then you look at the streams or you look at how many plaques it has, if any, and you're sort of surprised. So Yeah, and I think it's interesting too because in today's episode, guys, we tried to bring in also some stuff that did get a bit of praise but that should have really landed. And like when we're talking about hits, we're not talking about a song on a popular album that's just going to rack up streams because the community likes it or it's a part of a big moment. No, like this has to be a hit. Either it had to chart really high or in the hundreds of millions of streams, like something that we really thought was going to land with the masses. So um, welcome to another episode, guys. If you are not familiar with our audio podcast experience, as we always say, every single Tuesday, you know the drill. It's a pleasure having you guys here with us today. And man, I've just been loving this audio experience. So fun because they're longer recordings. You and I get to bring in different recommendations. There's always a theme around it. So if you guys are not familiar with our schedule, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you guys access your audio experiences because... We're going to continue doing this. It's going to be a year soon that we've been doing this. So thank you for a wonderful year um, of different audio episodes. So let's get into this, Matt. What was the criteria for you? The criteria for this, I mean, I tried to go for songs that had, let's say, 100 million streams or less that came out in 2022 or before, because sometimes it's hard to judge if a song is going to be a hit or not when it's fresh off of 2023 and it's only been out for maybe a couple of months and maybe it's in that like 70, 80s range. So I tried to sort of go based off of that and also looking at plaques like did these songs get crazy radio play were they charting high and i mean i think that when it comes to this i also wanted to put people on i wanted to choose songs that people maybe never heard of before Mm -hmm. so that kind of came into play for me as well but these are songs where i can honestly look at each and every single one of them and be you know thinking to myself what went wrong you know was it the song being poorly marketed? Was it a question of timing where the song was maybe ahead of its time sonically and people weren't able to wrap their heads around it? And that's what I want to ask you before you bring in your first recommendation is that when it comes to the songs, let's say particularly on your list, what do you think maybe generally stopped them or could have stopped them from going number one or becoming these huge smash hits well you see i took the inverse approach to you where i tried to bring in some recent stuff that i feel like got overshadowed by other hit records um, on the album and that's a common sentiment throughout the community like people are going to gravitate towards three to four songs and then there's the underrated tracks that 
don't necessarily get the love they deserve from the masses. Not only that, but I tried to bring in songs that I feel like could have gone really well on the radio based on other like similar types of records that did do well on radio play and within the masses, but just didn't end up getting that push that it really deserved. So I kind of tried to look at it from that way. Also popular artists. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're not going to get a, a number one hit single from JPEG Mafia anytime soon. I hope he does, but you have to understand like certain artists market themselves for certain positions and make that type of music to reach that number one you know you're not going to find the number one hit single from death grips either in, in 2024 or like in this decade so that's what i tried to do i tried to go to popular catalogs from popular albums that got overshadowed by bigger singles um from different albums but that also had a great recipe for success and that's what's going to bring me to my first song all right i want to talk about this because i don't understand how Dreamcatcher off of not all heroes wear capes did not at least climb a bit higher because because you go through this album and not that it was underwhelming on the charts, but there was much bigger songs on here. Example, like a 10 Freaky Girls, that went crazy. Looking at a Space Cadet, looking at something like a No Complaints, that single went absolutely ballistic. Um, you had songs on here, even like a lesbian, I think, outstreamed it just by a bit. But once you go on to Dreamcatcher, I'm like, well, you have this super melodic performance from both Travis Scott and Sway Lee that have a diamond song together from that same year and time period. And this one did not hit whatsoever. And this album even came like came out after Astro World. So I'm like, wouldn't people be kind of hungry for another yeah. collaboration between both of them? Not only that, but you have a diamond producer behind the production like Metro Boomin, and you have a recipe for success. So kind of marks the criteria in that way. Not only that, but I look at the song itself, it's super melodic, um, you get a Sway Lee hook, and we know how those end up charting, he's had, you know, hooks like Sunflower, um, that are going absolutely crazy, still on the charts to this day, and you're just like, well, how didn't this hit in the way that it was supposed to, maybe it was too sleepy of a song, maybe it didn't stimulate anyone, so that's kind of the question that I ask myself. That, that one is a mystery for me, for sure, I think that, especially when it comes to that album, maybe because it was Metro's first album as a solo producer, it didn't sell, obviously, as crazy as Heroes and Villains because maybe people didn't know what to expect out of a solo Metro Boomin album. So maybe the album as a whole was not streamed as much as it should have been, but I don't know. Maybe it wasn't pushed into playlists as much as other songs like 10 Freaky Girls or No Complaints. It's definitely an odd case. It is so definitely it's a an good, odd case. Uh, it's a good placement to bring well, in. Well, not only that, but the writing of it is super relatable. You have Sway Lee and Travis. Like, it's just classic. It, them kind of, like, trying to seduce a girl into, like, coming in to live their lifestyle. Like, the writing's on par. The production's there. The collaboration is there. It's 2018, fresh off of, like, Astroworld for both Travis and Sway Lee with Sickle Mode. How didn't this go crazy? I don't know. But still, it's a top-tier track off of Not All Heroes Wear Capes. And I'm kind of happy about it, you know? Like, that's what I want to say about nice this episode. hidden gem. Yeah. Yeah. All of these are kind of like hidden gems to a certain extent, you know? You, you feel like we're selfish, like as fucking music listeners, to be like, oh, I hope this song does not explode no. so it doesn't get oversaturated, overplayed. Like, I, I'll never really feel that way because, especially in the first couple of like weeks, like I'm bumping them, I'm contributing yeah. to the success of this record, and I never want to be in a place where like I'm wishing that a record doesn't hit for the artist. At the end of the day, people got to get paid, it has to go number one. So, my listenership is not taken into account in that equation. Yeah, I you know? feel you. I don't know. For me, it's like on a macro level, obviously, I want to see all of my favorite artists or any artist that I think is talented enough for all of their songs to go crazy. But like, that little consumer in you sometimes is like, well, I don't feel like going into yeah. the mall and hearing this today. You know what I mean? But no, ultimately, yes, we want all of these songs um, to go 
number one to be hits and that's sort of the point of this episode but next up i want to bring in paranoid by Kanye west and i didn't just bring it into this list to break your balls i actually do think that Mm -hmm. this is one of those songs that has really grown on me over the years and a lot of it ended up happening after we did do that video on our hot takes and even preparing for that video i'd gone through the track and i'm like okay this is better than i remember it being and it's sort of like like getting uh, um, I would say like sort of a video game as a gift that you maybe didn't want and you put it in your stack of, of Blu-rays and it sort of collects dust Blu-rays, over time and then, well, yeah, for PlayStation 3, I know, it was I know. Blu-ray but like, disc, but, but Some people for sure listening to this episode won't know what a Blu-ray is. don't know what a Blu-ray is. How yeah, crazy facts. is that? And it's pretty recent too, but yeah. Um, anyway, so sometimes you just have that game lying in your stack of Blu-rays and you never played because you're busy playing other tr- other games and then... One day you get bored, you slide it in, you're like, holy shit, I was missing out. And that's sort of my experience with Paranoid by by Kanye West. And I think the reason why maybe it didn't become a big hit. And Kanye did do a big push for it. He put out a music video. It was one of the main singles on 808s and Heartbreak alongside songs like Amazing and Heartless. And I think that the reason for it is that sonically, it is sort of an outlier on the album. It is. It is more upbeat. It's more fun. Maybe it felt out of place for people. But to be honest, the same way that like, because I sort of feel like this is a production similar to like a Daft Punk beat. Um, and sort of similar to... There's definitely a dance and relatability. Yeah, it has that those electronic synths and it has these pulsating dance rhythms. And I'm like, if Stronger became a hit, maybe this was just ahead of its time and people weren't ready to get this from Kanye West. But I absolutely love the song. I think that the hook from Mr. Hudson is so relatable. It's so nice on the ears. Even Kanye's auto-crooning is really well done and really tasteful mm-hmm. on this track. Um, and it's just one of those songs that really clicked for me. Um, this year, and I'm happy that it did. And I understand why the community um, feels the way they do about it, that they love it so much. But one of those mysteries where I'm like, if Heartless did this, if a song like Stronger by Kanye, which is in a similar realm, went crazy, why didn't this one do it? I think maybe it's a certain record that takes a lot of listens and repeated lessons for you to get into it, because it's never a song that I've gravitated towards. So maybe if I take this song and force myself to listen to it like in well, my you rotation have to force yourself weekly. to listen to it no but. i will never do that because i just don't gravitate towards the song it. but it, it, maybe it's that case where it's like it's a multiple listen type of yeah. track but i i feel like especially for massive hits it has to be like a a genuine understanding amongst everyone like this is like fire this is going to mm-hmm. be in everyone's rotation doesn't matter how old you are doesn't matter what you like to do on your weekends like this is going to be in everyone's rotation so I could kind of understand it that way. But let me continue going on with this. Um, next one I want to go to is Drugs and Hella Melodies from Don Tolliver off of Life of a Don featuring Caliuchis. I really did think that this was going to be a number one hit maybe. Or n- not a number one, but like it would have gone into the top ten. I thought it was going to be maybe one of his most successful songs ever, um, even considering like a No Idea, for example. But this is not only one of the best songs he's ever released, but we have Caliuchis on the side of this. Like there's radio markability behind this. And it was also at a time where like Don Tolliver was extremely anticipated to drop people got you know they, they had got they had gotten heaven or hell and they were like well okay you know i could really you know i could really get into don Tolliver's music but now he has this massive record that comes through and it was a single for the album like, like, like how how the yeah. fuck didn't this hit you get this euphoric production you get these incredible caliuchas vocals so not only that but you could tap into different types of demographics with this single you could go into caliuchas's lane start getting into more of that melodic r&b sort of thing also while having don Tolliver's rapping so i kind of saw it as this not only is the record quality but you could tap into so many different types of consumer bases with it and 
it was the main single to a really highly anticipated album for 2021, Life of a Dawn. Like people were foaming at the mouth for this yeah. record. So that was always a mystery to me. You know, it didn't really stream that well considering who's on the track itself. Not only that, but you had a romance and like a whole like PR thing going around the track. Don Tolliver and Caliuchis were fresh into a relationship. We know how that sort of marketing, you know, works with music and film and mm-hmm. sports, whatever the case may be. So I'm like, well, damn, like this really didn't hit the way you that it's supposed like, to. You think like the slow tempo of the track maybe contributed to that? Like you think that people maybe would have wanted a change up in the tempo or like just a break from the continuous sort of aura of the track? Because it is sort of like, in a sense, one note. Not, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it just it has that like continuous, slow and steady psychedelic vibe. I wonder if maybe that contributed to it. It not probably landing. did, but I at the know. same time, I've also seen like massive singles have that same formula, where it's like it's extremely profound. People could get into it. Yes, it's a bit of a slower record, but it's so emotionally driven when mm. it comes to the vocals and the writing and the marketing and the PR that how how did it hit that way so yeah. this was a song that I really thought would have bolstered Don Tolliver into a completely different area of his career maybe it did I'm not sure you know it probably did garner him you know millions of fans just from Calvi Uchis's catalog alone but for the most part I thought it was really going to be the most successful song in his catalog yeah, well, one of his best songs and I think that it definitely had potential to do more than it did but uh, next up, I have Up by Designer, and Designer's obviously not a rapper that's known for making a bunch of hit songs, but in 2016... How he, didn't this go crazy, bro, bro? he came out guns blazing in 2016. He drops Panda, banger. He drops Timmy Turner, banger. banger. That's his first two songs that go crazy. Then 2017 rolls around, and he decides to release a run of singles, and within that, you got songs like Outlet, um, and you got... A bunch of other decent songs, including Up, produced by Cash Money AP and Juicy J. And somehow it only has 55 million streams. And this song is an absolute club and trap slapper. It has some clean, memorable piano chords, some grandiose kick drums and 808s. And I don't know what more this song could have done. I mean, lyrically, it's simple, but it's memorable. It's about moving up in the world. It's about partying, making money. It's sort of this triumphant victory lap for designer. Only one year after, he had these huge hits. And it's like, just on the trajectory that he was headed into, having these two major singles, getting signed to Kanye West's good music, he keeps up. It's not like he waited two years. No, the very next year, he drops more singles that are fire, including this song Up and Outlet and people stop paying attention. I was thinking maybe something that could have held the back was the fact that he didn't have a strong debut album within those two years of his glow up. Maybe that would have helped a song like Up do better. Um, maybe a music video as well. It didn't have that, but it had nice change up to his flows. It had s- uh, some really dope ad libs, a good hook, a tear the club up sample from 3-6 Mafia. Like, yeah, he was using those 3-6 samples yeah. before everyone, eh? He was, bro. He was using those 3 He saw the vision. He He's was. Prob- he was probably like, Fuck, I used it too soon. But you're right. How didn't this go crazy? It's easily one of his best ever singles, and it has everything from the catchy hook, the catchy production. Could have done so well in club settings, but I just don't feel like it hit that way. If you would have put like this and Timmy Turner side by side and said, choose the hit record for the first listen, I would have gone with Up by Designer. Sometimes music is just deceiving. Absolutely. All right, where should I go next? Let me go to Parking Lot by Anderson Pock off of Malibu. This is one of these songs that... I just don't know how it didn't become a hit. because There's even a lot I, of Anderson songs like that, though. I yes, feel like. because I'm going through this song, and there's nothing really 
lyrical that's driving it. It's one of those songs off of the album that's a bit more instrumental and hook-based from Anderson, and I still love it. It's one of my favorite songs off of the album, but you get these incredible strings that kick in off, like, off the bat, and I, I was doing some research on it. Bro, it is such an entrancing song, and it is so well done for summer. And I'm like, well, if Heart Don't Stand a Chance was maybe the biggest song off of this album... How the fuck wasn't this one of them? And Anderson makes beautiful, sunny music. Um, maybe it was because this song released in January of 2016 that it didn't really get the push to the deserve because maybe different demographics are in wintertime. It's not the mood for it. But this is one of those songs that I feel like could have been the song of the summer, bro. Low-key on the radio. When you have the whole, like, one, two, three, come on. And, bro, you're just in this beautiful dance vibe. Kind of like with you in Paranoid, you know, where... This is supposed to get people moving. This is supposed to be a great song to play in social settings. And it's a song that you don't have to be a hip-hop fan. You don't have to be into R&B. You don't have to be into rock. Like This is like a genreless song mm -hmm. to me where you find so many different blends of genres put it together. So even the accessibility factors there on that part. So maybe it was also a case where like Malibu was that breakthrough for him where it was like, oh, well, this is the magnum opus and people are going to other songs at that time off of this album so maybe that's a reason why it didn't really do what it was supposed to but i think maybe it was the time that it was released yeah i also think that like the type of r&b and type of music that anderson makes maybe isn't the most current or up to date with modern r&b for the most part and like you get a lot of examples of that on malibu and maybe i feel like yeah if that song maybe was released 10 20 years back maybe it would have done better but I don't know. It's interesting. There's a, like I said, there's a lot of Anderson songs as a whole that I feel like should be charting higher, should be doing better just on the tuneful appeal of them, the catchiness of the hooks. It's just, it's really bizarre sometimes with Anderson's music. But next up, I have Magic by Vince Staples. And for starters, I know that Vince Staples has never been a guy to really create smash hits. He's never been someone to adhere to trends or popping sounds. And even like his biggest hit, if you think about it, looking at like North North, that's so authentically Vince Staples. Like he never went out of his lane or forcefully tried to make a hit song. Bro, you have so, like these boat sounds going on. Yeah, bro. Too. Like it makes no so sense. So when it comes to magic, it just felt like everything was aligning for Vince Staples to have his biggest song because it was his most radio-friendly song, and it was the lead single to Ramona Park, Break My Heart. Broke My uh, Heart. Broke My Heart, excuse me. It was produced by DJ Mustard. It uses the same sample as the classic You Know How We Do It by Ice Cube, so it also plays on the nostalgia factor a bit. And it was used in ads for, like, Beats, for Acura. Like, there was major PR behind this track, and it's also arguably the breeziest hook of Vince Staples' career. Super catchy. You find Vince Staples taking more of a melodic approach with it. Maybe the most melodic he's ever taken. He's also changing up his sound slightly to appeal to the masses, but in an organic way to make it accessible. And yet it has 28 million streams. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, yeah. And the only thing that I could have thought of is like, maybe the subject matter. Like he's rapping about thugging and he's rapping about like being in love with bloods and crips shit like that's those are his lyrics but that hasn't stopped other tracks from exploding so i'm like it couldn't have been the subject do you matter. think it comes down to like well this record is coming from a certain artist so you think it's just like kind of well yeah like you could give earl sweatshirt a sickle mode and it probably <laughs> it still won't pop off yeah exactly because people do like attribute certain artists to certain things so maybe it was just a case of like well it's coming from Vince Staples, so it's just not going to hit that way. Maybe. I mean, production-wise, I guess it was old school, but it had, like, a modern G-Funk sound. You know well, what I mean? not only that, but there's so... Like, okay, well, 
for for that Ice Cube song, it was going crazy on TikTok too. Uh, people were really into that production as well. So who knows? Maybe it was just a case of like, well, it rang off on the West Coast and it just didn't make its way to the rest of the world. It's just odd. It's like Vince Staples has been in the game so long. Like he's not a tiny artist either. And it just felt like this was going to be his moment and it just wasn't for whatever reason. So I found that one really... Really strange, to be honest. All right, let me continue going on with this. Let me go on to Gunna's new album. Um, and when I was going through a gift and a curse off of the first listen, off of the first listen, excuse me, I thought Cash It was going to be the biggest song off of the album. It's that classic Gunna that everyone absolutely adores. You have the narrative of him um, just being released from prison. The whole Young Thug thing was in effect. So, and there's also a quote that I really like from I'm not sure who tweeted this, but. Someone had said that people don't fall in love with the music anymore. They fall in love with the narrative. And Gunna had the narrative of the underdog. And that was interesting because then you saw that how, how that affected the PR of the album. And I'm not saying that that was the only thing that contributed to the success of the album. But between you and I, that definitely helped it a bit. Yeah. But because people wanted to check it out, people wanted to hear what Gunna had to say. It, it was really, it was a controversial moment this year. So once I got to cash it, I'm like, man, this is classic Gunna again. People are going to love this. Um, all of Gunna's music streams really well. You have certain records in his in his catalog that went off um, with this classic, incredible production by Explosive um, and Royal 808. It's just, it's really, it's a well-done Gunna song. And I'm like, this is one of the best songs off of the album too. So, might as well probably be one of the most popular. Bro, didn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it no. didn't do anything. And I think it was because Fuck You Mean completely took over this rollout. Once they saw how people were receiving Fuck You Mean, I think they probably ditched the rest of the album and they just put everything here. Yeah. I'm being completely honest with you. And, it's, and not, it's not a bad play if you really think about it in terms of just securing the bag and getting a song that might one day go five, six, seven times platinum. Maybe you should throw all your eggs in one basket if that's where you're seeing the trajectories going anyways. And even at that, songs like Back to the Moon and even Rodeo Drive, I thought, the, the, I thought those songs were really going to be the pushers for the album. And when I first heard it, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to grab much out of this Gunna album, but those are the songs I'm going to be going back to. And I feel like maybe Gunna's fans will be going back to, the rap community is going to be in tune with it, it's going to ring off in all the clubs. But no, it was Fuck You Mean, and that's why I wanted to bring it in, is just that... I could have even brought in stuff like Back to the Moon and Rodeo Drive, and those songs streamed a bit better. But no, it was completely overshadowed by fucking. I, I think I could be wrong here. I think obviously people enjoy the song for everything that was included with it, but I just feel like maybe that unique yeah part of it really did something for it. To oh, give it's it, everything. It's fresh it's factor. It's everything. You know what it's, I mean? I think it absolutely that offsets it from a lot of other trap songs. It was just that one element that was different from the rest. Um, but yeah, I, I feel you on that. There's definitely better songs on A Gift and a Curse that I thought would have done better. But next up, I have a song that maybe isn't as obvious as some of the other ones on my list. Maybe I'm reaching a little bit with this one. But it is truly a song that when I first heard it, I was stunned by it. And I'm like, you know what? For some reason, I feel like this might be the big break for an artist. And this is going to be The Sun by Casey. And I know that Casey is not really a big artist by any means. Doesn't have a history of hit records. But he was getting a lot of placements in terms of being featured on Donda and getting a lot of conversation buzzing around his name for being one of the brightest up-and-coming artists in the genre. And when I first heard The Sun, I'm like... Well, listen, I know he doesn't have any prior hits, but every artist has their first hit, right? It mm -hmm. has to come at some yeah. point. So I'm like, this just might be it for him. And it was a really cool collaboration because you had Gisafelstein, the producer who's known for his work with The Weeknd and Kanye West and all these great artists, um, 
at the helms of the production behind this track. Yeah. And to me, in an era where a lot of mainstream and popular hip-hop is sounding stale, this was truly a breath of fresh air because you had the spacey, eerie sound. You had this bouncy bass line, these nightmarish synths. And you also had this unique, these unique strings that sort of sounded like this old tea kettle ringing off. And I'm like, okay, this has that unique factor that sets it off from other productions. You have Casey, who's sort of singing in this high pitch that's similar to Playboy Cardi a little bit. I'm like, but sounds clear and has nicer harmonies. I'm like, this could actually go somewhere. And it didn't. I mean, it's still, I think, his best performing song, but maybe it came too early in Casey's career. But again, every artist has to have that one song to pop I off. I thought this was going to really pop off too. Yeah. As you said, it's a catchy tune. Um, you have a massive producer that's done a lot of work for massive artists and um, is very selective with who he works with too. You know, he's yeah. not going to work with everyone. But yeah, I agree with you. And when I first heard the song, it was one of those tracks that I didn't really like all that much, if yeah. I'm being honest with you. But the more and more that I went into it, I'm like, wow, this is actually a really good song. And now to this day, it's actually in my rotation. I'll revisit it mm -hmm. every once in a while. But yeah, as you said, maybe it was too early for Casey where people weren't really hip to his catalog and there wasn't maybe the cult following that he had at that time to be able to project it. Cause that's another thing. Like you need a body and a population mm -hmm. um, to be able to take a song and really, you know, put it over the boiling point to where it just absolutely spills everywhere. So maybe it was that factor as well, but all right, man, let's go to Scorpion because Scorpion was full of hits. One of the best streaming albums of all time. And that's how you feel did not necessarily perform the way that it should have. And this is one of the best R&B melodic cuts off of the album. It's not necessarily R&B because you get Drake rapping, but it's more of like those melodic rapping performances from Drake where like not only do his female listeners enjoy it, but also the guys love it. You know, it's one of those records. So going through That's How You Feel, you get this incredible um, just performance from Drake all the way throughout, super clean delivery throughout it, super relatable. Drake also um, samples Nicki Minaj for the hook, and I'm like, well... You could also tap into that demographic now when there's maybe a bit of controversy behind it. But dude, like, I think, again, it was just a case of Scorpion having three number one singles on here and, like, people were just focusing on that and nothing else. But I think it's one of the best cuts off of here. And I think that if you were to put this in 2023, man, it would go ballistic. For it sure. Would, it would go absolutely And ballistic. I think it's also one of those songs where it's, like, sometimes because they're buried deep into a long album, they won't get the notice and attention that they would have gotten elsewhere. So, like, maybe if this was released as a, as a single leading up to Scorpion or if it was released as a single leading up to another album where it was released on its own, maybe it does much crazier. Yeah, because you even have Drake's writing in here where he's talking about, like, giving too much time to this girl and, like, that classic take care sort of writing style. And you're like, well... Isn't that what people want from Drake? Isn't this like the recipe for like a really successful Drake song? And it's not to say that it's not successful. It's streamed really well. But again, I do feel like it should have went a bit further. And there's also like a cool Easter egg like in his rhyme scheme throughout the verses. So maybe that would have appealed to the hip hop heads as well. I thought it was a good play on him. And it's one of my favorite songs off of Scorpion. So I think it's in the top tier of Scorpion, actually. Yeah, as far as I, I think it's a good pick. This one didn't really shock me just because, like you said, you had the three number one singles. You had songs like Nonstop that had a Take Heath beat and was definitely more trendy. But it is a song, like I said, if you were to hear it outside of the context of the album, you'd be like, well, I thought this would do much better. So I see where you're coming from there. But speaking about Gunna, I do have a Gunna selection. And this is going to be All the Money by Gunna off of Heroes and Villains. And I remember the first time hearing this song off of Heroes and Villains, I thought nothing of it. I'm like, this is a bonus track. It's standard Gunna. 
not really sure why they put it in. It's probably a DS Forever leftover, which we got confirmation that it was a leftover from that album. Um, and I think that a reason why maybe it didn't become a hit is that this album did come out like really fresh after Gunna was released from jail. And maybe people didn't know um, how to feel about Gunna as an artist, if they wanted to still um, support him and give him plays and whatever else. Maybe the narrative there got in the way the same way that maybe it helped him months later when he released his solo album. I'm not too quite sure, but maybe, again, it's on a really massively popular album. It's the last track. Maybe it was just hidden within that track list and not discoverable for people. But when you look at the song, it has all the similar makeup of a lot of Metro Boomin's hits from the past. And you're looking at the hard-hitting drum pattern, the ominous strings. Um, Gunna is also rapping with various flow switches. He's rapping super memorable lines and making cool references to hip-hop. Like, for example, pimped out my whips like Exhibit or with Lil Uzi when I'm in Philly. And he's talking his shit. He's rapping about fucking other rappers' bitches. And he's really going all in, um, giving a really simple and catchy hook, too, where he raps, this time around, we want all the money. Like, again, super relatable hook, catchy. And the more that I listen to it, the more that I appreciate the song and think to myself, well, hey, this is not my favorite song off of the album, but... It should have done better. It should have done much better than it did. And listen, I don't know. Maybe it will stream better as time on and become a sleeper. Right now, it's at 62 million streams. But I also do think it would have been one of the better songs off of A Gift and a Curse. Like, better than 90% of that track list. So, maybe. I don't know. It, it was, was, it was very pick. interesting. I never really thought anything of that song, to be honest with you. I stopped playing it for a while. And then I, I went back to the album and did full listens of Heroes and Villains. And I'm like, okay. They were onto something here. This could have been more than what it was. So surprising to me. All right. Next song for me is going to be Sunset off of Revenge of the Dreamers 3, released back in 2019. And Sunset's interesting because it's a J. Cole and Young Nudie collaboration. And I'm looking at Young Nudie right now. And Peaches and Eggplants is going absolutely crazy with 21 Savage. Again, one of the biggest rap songs of the year, streaming-wise. And um, trends on TikTok, like just the social media appeal. And I'm like, well... This would have gone absolutely ballistic in 2023. I think it was just released at the wrong time. And you get this very vicious and like hard-hitting 808 beat by um, Chase the Money, Pyrex, and Cal Banks. And I'm like, how? How didn't this do anything, to be honest with you? And I think it was maybe that people were still trying to figure out Young Nudie's sound to a certain extent and if they liked it or not. Mm. But you have J. Cole attached to this as well. It's one of those tracks on the album where it's like, it's only J. Cole and another rapper. It's really only a two-duo song. And I'm like, well, shouldn't that maybe attract people more than it has? And no, it really didn't. It really didn't stream anything too crazy. Um, it never really charted. It didn't do much. And I'm like, well, you're also getting J. Cole in a trap production. And that did super well for KOD in 2018. So even around that time, do you find something where that's kind of replicated? And it did it. Not only that, but... J. Cole has a catchy hook um, talking about California, kind of harmonizing, but in more of a vicious way. And I feel like it could have appealed to more people. I think it could have also really done well in like that Atlanta trap scene where people are playing this song maybe in certain clubs and it could have had that sort of appeal. But I just don't think it did. Not only that, but when I go through the rest of Revenge of the Dreamers 3, it was such a big moment. It was nominated for a Grammy. You have platinum songs on there. This is kind of an outlier, sonically. It does sound like one of those more like mainstream songs off of the album when you have to compare it maybe to like other tracks off of this project. But for the most part, it was one of those songs that I feel like got underappreciated. Then it just it was released at the wrong time. Like imagine this collaboration coming now. 
Like at this point in 2023. That's what's surprising too is that you th- you would think that okay this is hitting like a lot of different markets. You know you're getting a lot of people that are into more street trap music than you're getting into the more mainstream listeners and people that like conscious hip hop. Like it was sort of the best of both worlds kind of combining. And yeah, you would think that it would do bigger in terms of results the same way that let's say a J. Cole and 21 Savage collaboration always does amazing. Again, maybe that's because 21's a, an artist of a bigger size in comparison to Nudie, but still, it, it was definitely a little bit surprising. It was surprising yeah. to me too, and I just think it was released at the wrong time because as I said, you released that this year, especially with the hunger um, for J. Cole features amongst the community and amongst the world at this point, and young Nudie like really, really putting in the work over the past three to four years to be able to come become a mainstream artist and have records that are hitting the mainstream market this would have done much better and I could have seen this going absolutely crazy everywhere. So Absolutely. All right, next song for me is going to be Snitching by Pop Smoke featuring Quavo and Future. And this is from the massively successful Pop Smoke album, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, his posthumous album that has a lot of hits. And this is a funny situation for me just because this is a song that I always thought was a hit. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'll be honest with you. Like, obviously I look through streams and stuff um, when I'm making content or putting together quizzes or whatever the case may yeah. be, but I'm not going through every single album every day looking, oh, how many streams does this one have? I thought that this, this was one, a hit too. I thought it was a fucking hit. And for the longest time, like, I, I was bumping it in my whip. I would be, like, on the road. I would hear it in other people's cars. I'm like, oh, shit, everyone's fucking <laughs> vibing with this song. This is a fucking banger. Um, and then one day I'm just doing some content. I'm looking at the streams and I'm like, 49 million? It's literally one of the least streamed songs on one of the biggest albums of our time. And I was absolutely stunned because not only do you have Pop Smoke, but you have Quavo and Future on the song. You have a really stacked lineup. Not only that, but you're getting Quavo um, going back to like fucking hopping in a time travel machine, going back to 2017 to give you a really dope hook. One of his smoothest performances all decade, super slick, repetitive hook that I thought would be easy for people to sort of get behind. Um, and he sounds just as confident as he did on Culture. Um, again, maybe the, re- the repetition the repetition of the hook got to people, but then you had Future coming in who sort of matches the energy and the deep voice of Pop Smoke really well. He also sounds like he's in prime form, bringing out these brand new flows. Pop Smoke, of course, does his thing. And maybe it's, there is a reason why I think maybe it didn't go crazy is the first 20 seconds is a skit where you have, um, I guess I'll say the guy who claims to be a snitch talking to his friend about snitching. Yeah, but they can also like, make, yeah, but I get it. That, that shouldn't stop a song, but maybe it does. But You're in right. today's era, sometimes you need to hear that hook bang in the first 15, 20 seconds, or you need the beat to affect you right away for a listener to not, you know, lose their attention because of the attention spans that are getting worse and worse. So, that didn't throw me off, but maybe it threw other people off. So this one I could rationalize a bit more why it didn't become a hit, but still, it's one of the best sounding songs off of that album. And as I said, I was convinced that it was a mega banger, but I guess I was wrong. There we go. Well, listen, I'm going to bring in another song that kind of shares that similar sentiment, sentiment, Excuse me, where I thought it was an absolute mega banger and one of the biggest of this artist's career. And this is going to be Pardon Me by Lil Yachty featuring Future. Um, this is still at under 80 million streams on Spotify at the time of this recording. Um, they, didn't, they didn't even reach the 100 mark at this point. Then this is easily one of the biggest hits of you know Yachty's career as far as like mainstream appeal goes. And you just have Future in a completely different bag. And the kind of like, fuck you mean, like, yeah thing that really gravitated people, I felt like the whistle 
that Future uses on his chorus was really going to get people entranced into this song. Even though and, weird flow. A- absolutely. And this went crazy amongst the community. I always see people praising this song amongst the community and everything, but it didn't hit the mainstream the way that it was supposed to. And I think maybe you could say, well, it was 2020. Yachty was maybe a bit more underappreciated. But even at that, like he had released solid hits before this song even came out. And you're also getting their first collaboration together. So it's the first time those um, fan bases ever meshed. They're both um, ATL prominent like figures within that scene. You also have the fact that Future is actually starting off with the hook. So there's no way you could ignore this hook and like the catchiness of it. And then boom, right away, it just kind of gets, I would say, put to the side, if that makes sense to you. So it was kind of a weird situation where I'm like, I thought this really streamed better than it did. And then it started going crazy on TikTok in 2022. And I'm like, whoa, okay, like, where is this going? And it never really moved that way. Maybe it was just part of an era in Yachty's career where people just weren't checking for him at all. I think that was a sort of narrative and a sort of sentiment around the community is that after you had gotten um, the little Yachty... Um, Little boat tape, then you had gotten Little Boat 2, and then you had gotten um, the Teenage Emotions album, and you were like three, four albums deep into his catalog. And I think a lot of people that were into Yachty's Bubblegum Trap and into him as an artist sort of pulled away. And he just maybe didn't have as big of an audience anymore. So maybe that contributed to it. But yeah, honestly, I agree with you. That was also a song that when I started seeing it going viral on like even short form platforms and shit, um, of just that snippet of like the future hook, I'm like, okay, this has to be a hit, right? This is gonna go crazy. I thought it was I thought going it was to gonna be, get yeah. the I thought it was gonna get like that fuck you mean effect where it was gonna go absolutely ballistic, but it didn't really hit the way that it was yeah. supposed to. But okay, uh, what else you got next like? up for me, um this is again from an artist that isn't an artist that has many hits. I think he has maybe two hits in his catalog, but I do think that just based on the music itself, if we're just looking at the music and disregarding all the other external factors, you're like, this song's incredible and it has a lot of danceability to it. And this is Fall in Love by Gold Link featuring Siskero. And listen, I'm not a huge fan of Gold Link. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm definitely not a fan of certain comments he's made in the past. Uh, but he has great songs in his catalog and I have to give him credit where it's due. And this song is kind of a fusion between dance and hip hop. It has a funky bass line that sets the tone. It has these spontaneous spa- splashes of like a bamboo flute it has um really nice cowbells and other dope elements and all these elements are loosely coming in and out of the mix and it is produced by k trinata and bad bad not good who are some of the most creative producers in the hip-hop world um and like i said it's just this amazing fusion um that has great vocals from Golink, these danceable grooves relatable lyrics about falling in love and i'm telling you this hook is so fucking addictive um, you even have Siskaro who's coming in with a really quick flow. He's rapping really quickly, but it fits the mood perfectly somehow. And the song's just a fucking bop. And again, this song came out a year before Gold Link had his big hit with the song Crew featuring Brent Fayez. So maybe he wasn't established enough for the song to ring off. But um, big shocker to me. And um, yeah, I was just listening to it. On a late night ride home, Spotify recommended the song. It just pulled up and I'm like, holy shit, this has to be a massive banger. And then you check out the streams and you see that it has, I think, like 20 million or something. And you're like, wow, this there is a go. crime. There we go. This is a crime to humanity. But you should, you would really fuck with I've this song. I've heard the song. 
You've I, heard the I, song. I've heard the song. Okay. Yes, because I'm a big fan of Kaytrinata and Goldlink and whatever they were able to link up together. They have multiple collaborations. So yeah, I'm familiar with the song, but I kind of understand it because I feel like a lot of Kaytrinata's productions go under the radar. They do. I feel like Sadly. people. Yeah, but I feel like people are now paying attention. He's he's yeah. really like that solo album that he puts out. It's gonna be a fucking massive album. It's gonna take over the summer. I hope so, bro. He's been building towards it. It's been a long. It'll time. take over our summer. I hope. I hope it takes over the world. Summer it does. Too. It will. I'm telling yeah. you. I, I feel like Kaytramina got a good amount of reception this year. People like were really in tune yeah. with it, but no. Wait for his solo. Yeah, album. the solo album's gonna be the one. All right. Um, one of the last songs for me today is gonna be "Cars Bring Me Out" off of "Business's Business" by Young Thug and Future. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, I also tried to bring in some new songs that I were surprised they didn't hit the way that they were supposed to, but. It's a classic Young Thug and Future collaboration. And like this entire album was fueled by the narrative of, well, you know, it's being released by Young Thug when he's in jail. There's a bunch of PR around, you know, Young Thug. Everyone was covering him. And it was just, it was a moment in time, right? It's his big comeback. And then to see that happen with Future on the track list, I'm like, well, that's going to go absolutely crazy. And then you get these beautiful strings by, um, like, I, I don't know how to say it. Like, they're not really psychedelic strings, but like, they're almost like a bit like, mistuned yeah they're, yeah they're like off tune a bit yeah. you know uh by wheezy and des wright I'm like wow that's gonna be a fucking smash hit you get this extremely clear cadence from young thung on the hook as well you understand everything he's saying um it's catchy you also you it's not really long as a strong like as a song structure the only problem is, is that it's three verses and i'm like well uh, is that going to affect Do you think it? The length affected it, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Just a tad. But I'm like, how does that happen? You get a classic Young Thug and Future link up. It's one of the catchiest songs off of the album. It's a big moment of time. You're getting wheezy on the production as well. This should definitely do better, and it just didn't. It's a very strange case with that whole album. Even looking at a song like "Oh, You Went with Drake," like sure, it's the most streamed off the album, but it didn't do nowhere as near. Nowhere near as good as I thought it would. They like that, the whole album much, underperformed. It was just weird because I think they, they didn't put too much PR behind the whole uh, behind yeah. the whole album. So I think that that was maybe just a a moment in time where it came and it went. But I'm going back to the song the oh, all the 100%, time. percent. A lot it's of one of my most played of albums of the of the year for sure. Yeah, but the last song I wanted to talk about today um, was going to be "Frat Rules" by ASAP Mob. Yes, dropped on uh, Cozy Tapes Volume Two, and I think that maybe the reason why I didn't get the love it deserved is that. Like Revenge of the Dreamers 3, it's being dropped on a collective tape or a label tape. Well, not only like, that, but you have multiple collaborators on here as well. So maybe that's... But, but, but that's a good thing. You have fucking mm -hmm. Big Sean, Rocky, and Playboy Cardi at a time where it's like, if this was a dedicated single, I feel like it maybe would have had a RAF effect where you're like, holy shit, this is a stacked lineup of artists that yeah, I would have true. never expected to link up. That's fair. That's and they're fair. all playing their part super well. Playboy Cardi's coming in with this super hypnotic hook. Um... Like, with the whole, like, bitches not coming that fucking... Like, that whole thing is That's super so addictive. Catchy. And then you have literally Rocky and Big Sean coll colliding forces, rapping, finishing each other's lines, like... And it's not like they're going too lyrical miracle, even though it is lyrically impressive. It's just slick, confident, charismatic talk between the two of them. The beat goes crazy, and it's just... It's one of the many songs off of that tape where I'm like, why weren't people listening, bro? You know, people have to listen, but all those cozy tapes are kind of underrated to a certain yeah. extent. The only ones that really went crazy were what I think it was Raph and then Crazy Lamborghini yeah, High and shit. Like, yeah, there's th a those, couple, were the, th those were the songs that really carried. I'm just that saying, whole if run. it's possible for those, it should be possible. I would love to see a reunion of that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. 
That would be it's been sick. what over five years at this it would point. Be sick to see that ASAP, but th- I don't know. It's kind of weird where they're all out with the ASAP collective. And I don't stuff. think they're as tight as they were. I don't think it would happen. Well, I'm not honest. sure about that, but just musically, I just don't think it's ever gonna happen again. Probably not. But um, yeah. Any other recommendations, or is that it for you too? Could I just like slot in like just a random recommendation yeah. for the people? Um, I'll, I'll give you guys Umbrella. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna talk too much, but I don't know how the fuck this didn't go crazy off of Heroes and Villains. That was surprising too. You got a young nude. This is like the peaches and eggplants that should have gone crazy. This is the one. Yeah, and it's much better than Peach the Neck Plants. And I also, I, I I don't know how, like, the whole thing of, like, clutching glizzies with the fellas uh, didn't get memed out, you know? It's true. How did, like, how if Rich, if Rich Flex got memed out, how the fuck didn't this get memed out? Yeah. yeah it kind of passed over everyone's head. Like, oh, cool. You know, and, and I know what he's trying to say, but I'm just like, well, that definitely plays a role in 2023 and how, you know, yeah, like songs that, get marketed. That could have been perceived differently, for that sure. That could have definitely been perceived differently. Yeah, but listen, guys, that's going to wrap up the episode for today. We hope that you guys got yes, sir. put onto some new tracks. Maybe revisit. Yeah, revisit some songs that you have heard, but you never really paid too much attention to off of popular albums. And as always, guys, let us know what audio episode would you like to see us tackle next. You guys can let us know in the question and answer section. And as we said earlier, guys, we're coming with these every single Tuesday. If you haven't followed us on Spotify or Apple yet, please do so. And if you are following us and you have a chance to leave us a kind review or a five-star rating, it goes a long way. We love you guys. We're grateful for all the support. And we'll catch you next Tuesday. Peace.